0: Hi, this is Herb Kressel, Editor of Radiology, and I'm joined by, with uh, Dr. Deborah Levine, Senior Deputy Editor of Radiology, who will co-moderate uh, this uh, interesting panel discussion that uh, will comprise the July Radiology podcast. In the July issue, we have two controversies essays on the breast cancer screening recommendations of the U.S. Preventative Service Task Force. And the article was authored by Diana Tidey and uh, a number of members of the task force. And we're very pleased that uh, Dr. Ned Kalange, who is the uh, chair of the United States Preventive Services Task Force is joining us today. Uh, Dr. Kalange is also the Chief Medical Officer of the Colorado Department of Public Health and Environment. Welcome, Dr. Kalange. Thanks, Herb. Sure. Uh, Dr. Kalange will be joined in representing uh, the views of the task force by Dr. Russell Harris, Professor of Medicine at the University of North Carolina School of Medicine, and uh, Dr. Harris has served on the uh, task force in the past and was very active in developing the recommendations for the 2009 uh, publication. Uh, welcome, Dr. Harris.
1: Thank you very much, Herb.
0: Sure. Representing the, the other side of this controversy uh, in, in the July issue is Dr. Daniel B. Copans, who is a senior staff radiologist at Massachusetts General Hospital, and professor of radiology at Harvard Medical School, and a uh, very, very senior leader in the field of breast imaging. Uh, Dan, thanks so much for joining us. Thanks for having me. Sure. In the uh, The May issue of radiology, Dr. Berlin and Hall uh, authored an interesting uh, editorial on the controversy and the politicization uh, that resulted. And uh, we're pleased uh, joining us today, uh, Dr. Leonard Berlin, Vice Chair of Radiology at Skokie Hospital and Professor of Radiology at Rush University Medical College. Uh, welcome, Leonard.
2: Thank you very much, Hope.
0: And uh, his co-author and my colleague, uh, Dr. Ferris Hall, Professor of Radiology at Harvard Medical School and Senior Radiologist at Beth Israel Deaconess Medical Center. Uh, welcome, Ferris
3: pleasure
0: to be here. Uh, Thank you. Um, I'm also delighted that uh, Dr. Jim Thrall, uh, chairman of radiology at Massachusetts General Hospital and uh, professor of radiology at Harvard Medical School, who has served most recently as the former chair of the board of chancellors of the American College of Radiology and who currently is the president of the uh, American College of Radiology, is joining us as well. Uh, Jim has uh, been a a staunch advocate uh, for our field and has been very active uh, in representing radiology uh, in this controversy. Welcome, Jim.
4: Thank you very much, Herb.
0: And finally, uh, to add a dose of reality from the trenches, if you will, uh, I'm delighted that uh, Dr. Stephen Flyer, Associate Clinical Professor of Medicine at Harvard Medical School uh, and uh, a A highly regarded internist in the uh, City of Boston uh, has agreed to uh, to join our discussion. Dr. Flyer, thanks so much for joining us.
2: It's a delight to join you. Thank you.
0: Great. Let's begin. I think it would be useful, uh, Dr. Kalange. Can you summarize the current state of the recommendations? What has changed uh, since they were originally published in the Annals of Internal Medicine in 2009?
3: Sure, Herb. Um, I think uh, what's what's changed both in the Annals article itself and the recommendation on the website is the, the templated language that the task force adopted for all C recommendations easily six months prior to the vote on the uh, mammography recommendation. And the, the lead statement is the USPSTF recommends against routine screening um, in women aged 40 to 49. That uh, templated language was designed in talking with primary care clinicians um, and uh, was the, the, the operative word was routine, and the issue was this is an area where we think a discussion with the patient would be warranted, and clearly that wasn't communicated with the words, and so the task force felt that since we really were trying to promote this discussion of potential benefits and potential harms in that age group, we removed that preceding templated language from uh, the recommendation on the website and subsequently annals uh, printed a correction uh, to the article as well
0: thank you Uh, dr flyer how have the recommendations been received by patients
2: Uh, well i think uh, patients have been subjected to uh, the the controversy uh, i think unfortunately uh, related to uh, the view of uh, healthcare financing, uh, the coincidence uh, of uh, the debate on, uh, on healthcare finance reform uh, uh, occurring at the same time as uh, some of these recommendations, I think, tainted many patients' views of uh, the, uh, the direction from which these uh, recommendations were coming. Uh, I think uh, there uh, was a suspicion in, on the part of many patients. Uh, with regard to uh, whether they were designed to represent the patient's best interest or some other best interest.
0: Uh, Dr. Uh, Kalange, as I understand it, uh, the charge of uh, the task force is to consider the benefit versus the harm. And while we could all agree on measures or metrics that might describe the benefit of screening mammography. The consideration of harm, uh, at least to me, seems quite subjective. Patients and physicians and even task force members might have widely varying views about the degree of harm caused by an additional mammographic view or even a biopsy compared to the benefit of finding a lesion when it's small. So how were the metrics of harm assessed? And isn't it implied that everyone needs to make value judgments when making these decisions?
3: Well, I would, I would say that that is an issue of patient choice and one that um, informed patient, informed women should be able to weigh themselves. I, I think, uh, you know, should a woman look at the benefits, which we believe are real for screening 40 to 49, we know that those benefits are real. We also know that we, we get those benefits with uh, additional services that are required that don't directly impact the woman's health. And and those, for a given woman, those could be very minor. Those might not rise to the level of concern for the specific woman given her uh, concern about breast cancer and a breast cancer death. And that woman should start screening because she's made that decision. I've talked to a number of women since the guideline has come out who said that, you know, they want that decision. They want to be able to weigh that themselves and they believe that they are empowered personally to make that judgment and decide whether or not to start screening in that age interval. Uh,
0: Dr. Threl, uh when I spoke to you about this, this I know is one of your concerns that there is implicit value judgments and priorities that may be reflected in the decision-making process that are not explicitly stated. Do you want to comment on this?
4: Yes, I would make uh, two comments. First of all, one of the practical problems of the USPSTF uh, process is that a number of insurance companies around the country immediately change their reimbursement uh, policies based on the uh, new recommendations, and therefore, the decision in some sense was taken away from women. It was not just a question of whether a woman could talk to her primary care physician and come to a decision, but the fact that what had been a covered benefit was taken away from the women. The other uh, issue is that whenever we start out in a scientific uh, pursuit, evidence based uh, medicine, if you will. We inevitably come to a point where value judgments have to be made. The task force made some value judgments on behalf of American women, and I'm rather curious because there are ways of studying the individual utilities of patients. Uh, why the task force did not recommend additional research in this area uh, rather than simply making uh, uh, a value judgment decision on behalf of
1: American women?
0: Thank you. Uh, Dr. Kalanj or Dr. Harris, any further comment?
1: So I could say this is Dr. Harris, I could say a word or two about this. So remember that in this particular situation, what the task force did was refuse to make a value judgment. What it said was this is a C recommendation, the the benefits and the harms are closely aligned and women should decide for themselves. And so that was an important issue. I think the task force often, and, and so the task force often, it finds itself in this situation in which it has to weigh things like on the harm side, overdiagnosis and false positives, and on the benefit side, uh, lives uh, extended, uh, and trying to weigh those things sometimes is obvious, and sometimes is not obvious at all. And when it's not obvious at all, the task force often suggests. That doctors and patients talk about this uh, and come on come to an individual discussion i might say that even if you did population-based utility studies it still would apply to the entire population as opposed to having that decision be an individual one and that's i think what the task force is trying to promote
0: thank you
4: I, uh, I would the task force in future proceedings to be a little more careful in how their recommendations were it, it did allow the insurance industry to take
1: this benefit away. So I haven't heard that. I have to say that I've been listening for it and would like to know about insurance companies that have stopped covering this because in North Carolina, at least, my understanding is that no one has stopped covering
3: it. I, I would add that the health care reform will will address that issue, which I think is appropriate. And You know, for what it's worth, I helped craft the bill this year in Colorado that would assure that women age 40 to 49 who chose to get covered or chose to start screening would have that screening paid for. The, the decision in the C was made prior to any mention of the task force recommendations in the health care reform bill and, and I think that's important and then finally I have to add an agreement that we did not communicate this well. I fully agree that the wording that we chose which was based on templated language aimed not for women but aimed for primary care clinicians based on what they wanted to try to incorporate was not appropriate and did not convey the intent of the task force and I, I will freely admit that.
0: Dr. Flyer, I'm going to ask you to comment on this, and I don't know if you've read uh, all of the the editorial by Doctors Hall and Berlin, but they note the challenges in shifting our perspective from a societal one uh, to the individual perspective when making these judgments. And uh, uh, Dr. Kalange, in, in the task force uh, commentary, you note that the Sysnet models provided evidence that screening every other year retained 80% of the mortality reduction while reducing the false positive biopsies by almost half. And I guess uh, the question is, does the task force consider either perspectives or just the societal perspectives in making their recommendations? And for Dr. Flyer, how do you think patients deal with this where there are recommendations that make sense on a public health societal point of view but are, are problems for the individual. So Dr. Kalanch, could you respond first on the, the shifting perspectives?
3: Well, I think we, we, rec- we recognize that many of these recommendations are implemented on a population or societal basis. And, and our recommendations are really based at trying to provide, again, recommendations for the primary care clinician facing the patient in his or her practice. I think there is a difference. I think we try to take both perspectives into viewpoint, but ultimately the recommendation is aimed at the clinician and giving him or her some guidance or basically recommendations on how to approach a certain preventive service.
0: And and Dr. Florey, do you think patients would respond to this analysis? Would they take comfort? In the reduced unnecessary biopsies, or be worried that they might be in the twenty percent missed, or is it going to vary with patients?
2: Well, I think it's going to vary with patients, and uh, and each patient has a different uh, set of values and a different way of prioritizing uh, the uh, the effect of uh, of uncertainty on the one hand, uh, the effect of interventions that are possibly unnecessary on the other. But I think. As long as one uses uh, these uh, these um, guidelines as simply guidelines and as a, as a topic for conversation uh, with a patient, uh, they can be beneficial.
1: Thank you. I think we'll move along. Dr. Levine? Okay. Uh, Dr. Clonge, one last question for you for a little bit. Um, one criticism of the methodology used by the task force was that specialists in breast care who might have better understood methodologic issues with studies being assessed were not included in the process. And in your article in Radiology, and I'm gonna quote from that just for one sentence, you say, a core value of the USPSTF is that the evaluation of the evidence must be conducted free from the influence of advocacy, special interests, and politics. Do you think it's possible to involve imaging specialists in the area being studied in the future, or would conflicts of interest be too great?
3: Well, I look at this as a very important point and one that the task force has really recognized. I think the members of the task force, the membership itself, is set to assure that there aren't special interests and and that um, we don't specifically have uh, an inve- uh, so strong a professional and passionate interest in the test itself that it might it might uh, interfere with our objectivity. On the other hand, we absolutely recognize the need to have outside experts in the area review these and and kind of help us with the evidence and our interpretation and assure that that input is is made. So there were breast specialists Uh, From a treatment standpoint, who uh, who reviewed the the analytic framework, the evidence report, and the uh, recommendation statement, and provided input uh, prior to its release? There were radiologists as well. However, I would point out that we didn't do the due diligence to the degree that I think would have. Addressed this uh, criticism better. We didn't call the, uh, we didn't specifically reach out to the American College of Radiology. We did talk with the American Cancer Society and some of the advocacy groups about the recommendations and got their input. So that's a learning that um, we're now taking into a new sense of transparency with the task force. So from this point on, all recommendations are actually going to be posted for public comment prior to their finalization and release. And we will reach out, especially to uh, specialty societies uh, to make sure they take advantage of that co- public comment field. So, so saying that, I, I will have to say that I was comfortable with the degree of expert review in this recommendation. So I, I, uh, while I think our wording, as Dr. Copan suggested, Would have changed, and actually, the press release, which was never released, did address the issue from a patient standpoint. Uh, I think the C uh, category, uh, I believe strongly, would have stayed the same. And and Dr. Harris, who actually helped that, could comment as well.
0: Jim, perhaps you could comment because I know uh, this was an area of concern. And then, Dan, we will go to you as well.
4: I I welcome the new commitment to uh, openness uh, and transparency. Uh, These issues are so important to the American people that uh, any uh, thought or any impression that uh, they're being arrived at uh, in uh, secret somehow, almost, uh, be um, against their wide acceptance. So this is terrific. We cannot have an open uh, discourse as doctors Berlin and Hall have uh, urged us to have, unless uh, there's a chance to participate uh, in the process. So w- we welcome that very much.
1: And then Dr. Copans, did you want to add something? Uh, yes,
3: I, I think uh, certainly I, I completely agree with, with Dr. Thrall. Uh, I would add that um, if, if you have no one with a conflict of interest, you likely have no one with expertise in the field.